Hey there, and welcome to the maiden voyage of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. I'm your host, Cole Wright, and each week we'll be joined by other regular contributors to the podcast along with a few special guests. But I want to start today where we sit on a potential return to baseball. Now, as it stands, we're inching closer to the reality that there will be a 2020 Major League Baseball season, and we're learning more and more what that may look like. Now, here it is, a potential 82-game schedule with no fans at least to start, expanded rosters, a hopeful plan to have teams play in their home ballparks at least whenever possible, and players, get this, showering at home and showing up to the ballpark already in uniform, like the Little League days. The biggest question that remains, however, is player safety and what happens when a player inevitably tests positive. Now, Commissioner Rob Manfred and the league put together a document on player safety that spans more than 80 pages. Then there's the issue of money. Of course, as the MLB Players Association continues to discuss the matter with the league, pushing back on the initial revenue sharing proposal. In short, the ball isn't in the end zone yet, though we're closer to the return of the game than we have ever been at any point since the coronavirus shutdown began in mid-March. Now, as we await word on the 2020 MLB season, we catch up with Cubs play-by-play man Len Casper. We talk about baseball, what he's been up to during quarantine, and we also learn about his childhood and career path to the broadcast booth. And later, MarqueeSportsNetwork.com Cubs writer Tony Andraki, he's going to stop by to discuss how the Cubs might be positioned for a shortened season and breaks down the Ultimate Cubs lineup series. So without further ado, let's catch up with Len Casper. It'll be year number 16 on the call for the Cubs. Here he is. Len, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? Hey, Cole. Uh, doing really well. Uh, so let's see. I think I've been involved with the first Cubs broadcast on Marquee Sports Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I were on the first Cubs 360 on the Marquee Sports Network. I was mm-hmm. on the first uh, at-home trivia show with Chris Myers on Marquee Sports Network, and now I'm on the first podcast. So I feel very honored to be a part of all these firsts. Man-to-man, one-on-one. How'd, how'd the trivia show go? Because I haven't been on yet. I'm going to be on coming up, I think, in a week or so. So I'm just getting myself prepared. I've been watching a lot of Jeopardy, as, as always. Is that is that going to be helpful at all? Well, I lost to Bruce Levine. I had a pretty tough uh, first-round matchup. But I guess my advice would be, if you can trail late, you can get to the underbelly of, uh, of the bullpen. Uh, the eighth inning, whoever is trailing gets to pick one of two topics. And Bruce got to pick the topic. He got the easier questions, in my opinion. Course, he passed me in the eighth inning, and then I couldn't catch him in the ninth. Wow, Bruce, of course, a mainstay, one of our staples on Cubs 360. He's there every single day. And it's one of the things that we've been doing, Len, of course, since the shutdown happened on March 12th, I mean, it's been crazy how everything has been spiraling out of control. But uh, what's been the biggest challenge, at least for you so far, without being able to call live baseball games, man? Yeah, I think the biggest issue psychologically is not having a when or a how at this point. And it's understandable. There are way bigger, uh, more important issues right now than if and when a baseball season will be played. Uh, those conversations are certainly uh, being had among uh, Major League Baseball, the Players Association. I know uh, all the team presidents, the owners, uh, the, the uh, general managers, they're all having conversations. 
uh, with one another and trying to figure this out. So, you know, I, I really am trying to live by uh, the philosophy of uh, don't worry about the things you can't control. And so I'm, I'm essentially bracing for every possibility. The biggest logistical question for me, Cole, is how do we get everybody there? Uh, most of them are home in Florida and Colorado and California and Texas and wherever they live. Uh, so I, you know, some some guys are out of the country right now. Uh, so yeah. making sure logistically you can get everybody to where they need to be for what should be a pretty abbreviated spring training. I think is one thing they've got to sort out. And then, you know, that you have the rumblings about what the players are going to make on a per game basis. At the end of the day, it probably comes down to the money part, right? Um, follow yeah. the money. And if they can figure that out, we hopefully will have baseball. Now, Len, you said you're ready for anything when it comes to the 2020 season. Uh, are you ready to grow a beard? Because by the looks of it, it's starting to fill in there a little bit. And you told me that you've never actually had a beard, at least on the air. No, and I don't think I would do it on the air. Um, this is probably three or four days of growth at this point. And, um, I can generally handle about one week of not okay. shaving. It's, I will correct you. It's not growing a beard. It's the act of not shaving. And so I haven't shaved in about four or five days, but you know, you also need to bookmark this point in time and the fact that we are in an unprecedented moment. And so when we look back and watch videos of me doing these shows with you, you're going to go, oh, he had a beard at that point. Something's not quite right. <laughs> so it's not necessarily a, a facial hair game plan. It's just really uh, laz laziness, not getting around to shaving because you just don't feel like doing it. It's 100% laziness. <laughs> All right. Nice. Nice. I like that. Oh, well, how about this then? If, since we're talking about, you know, manicuring around, around the face, um, have you gotten any haircuts or have you just slicked it back a little bit and looks still tightly cropped, but, uh, have you done it yourself? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of product, uh, working right now and, um, yeah, I need a haircut badly, but again, it's, um, it's a minor issue, I guess, compared to what a lot of other people are dealing with. And, uh, I don't know, you might, if you and I end up, uh, in Mesa in about a month and I haven't gotten a haircut, you might uh, need to help me out. I'll take you to the Cole Wright School School of Barber. You just take it, <laughs> take it all the way down, all the way down. Exactly, but Len, I mean, we're we're all missing baseball right now. There's no secret about that. But when it when it comes to what you miss the most, I know that everyone that's involved in the game of baseball that we're routine based. Is there anything that you miss that really jumps off the page that you would do on a day to day, everyday thing? I miss all of it, but I think what I miss the most is the camaraderie. Uh, the hanging out with you before the game, the hearing stories from JD and Gracie and uh, talking to Taylor about what her in-game ideas are, talking to the manager, uh, players, other teams, broadcasters. Uh, I thought about it recently that in, in a lot of ways, I am well prepared for social distancing in that when you travel with a big league team, you spend a lot of downtime by yourself in your hotel room, uh, away from the park, but really for seven, eight, nine hours every day, uh, you're at the ballpark and you're having pretty in-depth conversations. And I think those are the things I miss uh, the most at this point in time. 
Have you talked to any of the players, Lynn? I mean, I know the guys have tried to stay busy. I know Ian Happ and the fellows, I know they're down in Arizona. They, they work out in the garage. You know, they, they grill out in the back. Have any other players reached out to you and said the same thing? Like, man, I just can't wait for this season to get underway. You know, I've kind of left the players alone. I've uh, texted uh, back and forth just a, a couple of times. But <clears throat> because I know they don't know uh, what's really happening, I don't want them to feel that I'm pressing them for information necessarily. And uh, I think a lot of those questions and, and conversations will happen uh, in the natural course of uh, when we get back, hopefully, to to some semblance uh, of baseball. And look, I, I don't know how close we will be physically to the players when we do come back. If we are part of that bubble, um, there will be social distancing. There may be a much more structured way of the media talking with players. Um, you know, I think you and I are able to to probably get in there and talk to, to guys uh, informally uh, and not through those formal channels. But, you know, I, I really have left a lot of the players alone. I've talked to a lot of people uh, inside the business, uh, other teams, broadcasters, uh, some people within the game and just kind of getting their thoughts uh, on what's going on right now. But uh, for the most part, I've, I've kind of left the players to their to their families and uh, whatever they have to do. Over a month and a half in, into this quarantine, Lennon, have you found out anything about yourself that you didn't know because uh, just plain and simple, you hadn't had a month and a half plus time on your hands of free time that is? You know, it's been really fun to do a lot of these um, mar marquee shows because there is a sense of lack of purpose. And I don't know if I'd call it identity. I don't know if I would necessarily go that far, but uh, having done 20 spring training games was big because we were able to kind of get back in the groove a little bit. But if I didn't have those games, it'd be really hard to say, man, it's been seven, eight, nine months since I've been able to quote, do my job. And uh, that's why I don't want to really ponder a 2020 without any sort of baseball, because look, part of my identity uh, and I admit it is is being at the ballpark calling Cubs games every day. And in 2016, when the Cubs won the World Series, I think I was a part of about 215 broadcasts. I mean, they're only 365 days in a year. That, that that's a lot yeah. of time spent at the ballpark. So to not be there is has been has been tough in a lot of ways. It's been really good for my family life. Um, our dogs absolutely love the fact that we're home all the time. And I don't think yeah. they understand that at some point this is going to change. Um, but as I said, I just, I miss being able to do what I love the most in terms of having a career. And I think I speak for a lot of people inside and outside baseball whose lives have been put on hold. You know, outside of what we've done for Marquee Sports Network, you know, the Cubs 360s, the trivia show, what have you been doing to stay sharp? Do you go back and maybe hit the rewind button and call some old games? Are you breaking out DVDs, laser discs, VHSs, Lynn? <laughs> no, not really. I know a lot of play-by-play uh, -play announcers have been, you know, calling uh, mundane activities for, for people, and that's been fun. But yeah. um, no, I, I, I just think doing things like this and the shows that you and I talked about uh, kind of keep me... Uh, engaged and fresh and the play-by-play -play stuff, you know, if I miss four or five months, as I do typically in an off season, it takes me a few innings of game one or two to kind of get back in the groove and uh, try to keep it natural. So no, I can't, I can't say I've done any, uh, any practice work, but 
if this goes on all the way through 2020 and uh, my next game is not until February of next year, I'm, you and I may have to call a couple of simulated games. Yeah, I know we've all been busy compiling our ultimate Cubs lineup, you know, from front to back. Any curveballs, anyone that jump off the page to you and yours? I haven't seen yours yet. I don't know if you saw mine. I sent mine to Tony Andraki. I don't know if you saw it yet. Uh, I saw some of your picks. Did you not pick David Ross as a starting catcher? I did. I did. I'm curious to know why you picked Rossi. Uh, well, I mean, he he was behind the plate the last time the Cubs won a World Series, and the last time I looked, that was the first time in 108 years. And, I mean, I think we're going to have to work with him a lot. So, I mean, to put him on the all-time team, it's, it's, got, it's got to say, hey, hey, let's, you see, I, I put you on the team. So just, rem- just remember that if things aren't going as well as they need to be going. But we know everything's going to be fine. But, yeah, I mean, I just always like what David Ross brought to the table. I mean, he, it's not like it was his first World Series. I mean, he, he's been there. He's done that. Not to say he's necessarily the best behind the back, behind the plate for the Cubs. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I think may, maybe, it's, maybe some of my, my picks were sentimental favorites. Maybe I went outside the box on a few of them. Maybe. You know what? I, I got to tell you, Cole, I like all the reasons you gave. And maybe the best one is we have to work with him a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why not? I mean, what, what, if, what if what if he wasn't on there and he came in and said, you know, Cole, I saw your uh, Cubs ultimate lineup and I, I wasn't on it. Can, can we can we discuss that? And I mean, how would I feel? I'm like, um, so I had to make sure I put him on there. But uh, did you see anything that made that raised your eyebrow outside of David Ross when it came to mind or? I will just give you a couple of quick notes about the way I attacked it. And I do think it's important to honor uh, some of the Cubs greats of the way, way back. Uh, Rogers Hornsby made my team. Seven of the 11 players on my list, Cole, were Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers. I think the toughest decision I had to make, to be honest, of all of them was the starting pitcher. I think you could make a case, a very strong case, and I would not really argue with probably seven to 10 choices. Mm. Uh, Mordecai Brown, Ferguson Jenkins, in terms of Cubs, probably are, are uh, on that list. I went with Greg Maddox. Uh, I think that's a defensible that's pick. I, I, you know, if, you, if it's a one and done, I don't think you could go wrong with 1992 Greg Maddox. Yeah, I went with Greg Maddox as well on the mound. I mean, is there anyone better? I know a lot of people, they went with maybe Fergie Jenkins. Some went with Jake Arrieta, and it was tough. You know, I sat there, and I, I kicked things around. But ultimately, you know, I had to go with Greg Maddox. And like I said, I think a lot of my picks may have been sentimental picks. They might not have been the best pick. But I, I felt like if, if I had to win a game, and I needed the most offensive firepower, at least in this present day, and that's probably why you know, the recency got the better of me right there. But, you know, I went with D. Lee at, at, at first base. And I went the Ramos Ramirez. At third, I don't know how you feel about that one, but I mean, every single summer I felt like Aramis Ramirez, he was he was good for at least 20 and 80, if not more. Yeah, I mean, I went with KB uh, third, Ron Sano, uh, Bill Madlock, Aramis would be, again, very defensible choices as well. And the other part too, and I didn't want to play too much with the rules, but instead of just saying a player, could I say... Starting pitcher is 2003 Mark Pryor, right? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. So, uh, second half 2019 Kyle Schwarber is my left fielder. Or Nicholas Castellanos, second half Cub 2019. Yeah. So, you, you know, you can really come up with a lot of, I think, very good picks based on very specific moments if you choose to. Uh, as I said, I went with a lot of right-handed hitting Hall of Famers like Sammy and 
Rogers Hornsby and Ernie Banks and guys like that. So when it comes down to best Cub of all time, are you going Rogers Hornsby or are you going with, you know, the, the, the presumptive favorite, Mr. Cub, Ernie Banks? That's an unanswerable question. Um, <laughs> I, I think we almost have to do it by era. I, I think it's really tricky when you get into the second half of the century, because now you've got Ernie, Billy, Fergie, Ronnie, Hawk, Rhino, Maddox. I mean, these are all Hall of Fame guys. Yeah. Uh, so to me, I would almost let you pick first, and then I'll take whoever you don't pick. I mean, I get to well, come as your pick. <laughs> I was going to go with the, with with the easy choice. I mean, it's we, we saw the the documentary on Marquee Sports Network about Ernie Banks. I've watched it like four times, you know, as of right now. But you know, it's I have to go with Ernie Banks. I mean, it's I didn't get to watch him play. All I saw was you know old back footage. But I mean, when you when you look at everything he did and the, the ability to play shortstop in a time where guys his size didn't play shortstop, and you know he he wasn't your prototypical kind of shortstop. I just think that everything that that he had to deal with, especially in the city of Chicago, being the time that it was, I feel like that he was a special player. And just to see the way he destroyed low, low and outside pitches. I mean, I, I've never seen a guy this day and age that, that especially a right-hander that, you know, has so much dominance when it comes to those pitches low in the zone. You just don't ever see that anymore. You sold me. Yeah. I, I think Ernie <laughs> is probably the choice uh, for all of those reasons. Uh, I think just from a purely baseball standpoint, um, you know, you, again, you could, you could maybe put some other guys in the conversation, but what I really like about that pick, not only was he known as Mr. Cub, which fits perfectly, as you said, uh, he didn't wear a uniform of any other major league team. That matters a little bit. Uh, He redefined one of the most important positions on the diamond, as you said, it's short. Uh, made a taller offensive type player viable at that position and really paved the way for Cal Ripken and uh, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter later on. So yeah, I, I, I think Mr. Cub is the answer. Uh, it's the uh, Occam's razor, right? Just whatever the yeah. simplest answer is, is probably the best one. And I think Ernie is a great call. All right. So if we're breaking down Cubs players generationally in, in three different sections, how about we do it with baseball in general? Because that's what I've always done. I've always said, you know, to be fair to the game, because the game has evolved and changed so much over the years, you, you have to do it like that. You have to put them into certain groupings. And I, I know who my three are. I just want to see if, if you're jiving right in line with me, Lynn. Who you have? All right. I'm going to go with Babe Ruth, Willie Mays, and Mike Trout. Oh, oh. I went Babe Ruth, Willie Mays, and Barry Bonds. I Again. feel like Mike Trout, he, he still has a, you know, a lot to go. And, you know, I even base my Barry Bonds, you know, that, that selection on the fact that he's 500-500. I mean, before any speculation or anything ever came in, before, you know, the flaxseed oil was a thing, I mean, 500 stolen bases, 500 home runs, and just to see, you know, what that guy could do. I mean, just the 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 – the endless amount of gold gloves that he has, the the MVPs. I mean, I, I like Mike Trout. I like Mike Trout a lot. But, you know, we were talking just a little bit earlier. I know you and I were talking. When you look at his first eight seasons, at least offensively, Mike Trout's first eight seasons are just a hair under what Frank Thomas did in his first eight seasons. Mm-hmm. I know he was he's, he's way more of an accomplished defensive player. You know, Frank was back and forth from first base to DH. However, 
I just want to see it for a few more years for Mike Trout. And I know you watch every single game you're there and you, you know, I, I defer to you, you know, eight days a week, but I think Mike Trout, I just need to see a little bit more. I need to see a little bit more. That's a fair, that's a fair point. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with Barry Bonds, uh, at all. Um, I just, what, what Trout has accomplished in I would say relative obscurity, the fact that he plays for a team on the West coast, that's not uh, the Dodgers or the Giants, uh, there's nothing he can't do on a baseball field. Uh, and, and, and you would say the same about Barry Bonds, and you would be 100% correct. I would say Barry Bonds is the greatest offensive player I've ever seen. Uh, I just look at Mike Trout as a center fielder uh, and as an offensive player as, by the end of his career, might be considered in the conversation of best of all time. So maybe I'm a little premature in putting Trout in that conversation, but okay. I, had to put a, I had to put a guy who plays in 2020 on the list. All right. How, how about this one? M- most unbreakable record in baseball. We, we talk about it all the time. We, we kick those around. There's so many, there's, there's ones that happened before the, the modern era came around. And, you know, some people still hold those in a pretty high regard, but those are pretty much unattainable. No one's ever going to even have the chance to win 500 games like Cy Young, because you don't start, four games and then come in and relief and throw, you know, four complete games a week. That's never going to happen. But when it comes to modern day records, which, which one do you think is going to be tough to knock off? I think Cal Ripken's streak uh, over 2,600 games, uh, consecutive games. Uh, there were moments in his career during which he probably should have sat out. Um, but I think the streak kind of took over uh, at a certain point. And I don't know how you feel, but I, I just don't know if a guy could go 15, 16 consecutive years without any sort of injury that would knock him out of the lineup. And, and I also don't think managers now want guys to play over 150 games in most cases. That used to be something guys prided themselves on doing. Um, yeah. It's not nearly as big a deal these days. Typically now you see, what, two, three players max who play in every game uh, of a major league season. And I just, I don't anticipate some sort of superhuman uh, playing in over 2,600 consecutive games ever again. You know, why is that? Why do you think that is? I mean, back in the day when the, the, the training and the nutrition and everything was not as it is today, you know, when everyone said that, you know, if you look back at, at the NBA, people said that Michael Jordan played against plumbers. Well, those plumbers were highly conditioned and they, they played the entire season. There was no such thing as load management. Like, wh- why is it today's athlete? Wh- why do they need to take so many days off? I mean, at the end of the day, they get to go out there and play a, a child's game and they're compensated quite handsomely. Lynn. Well, I guess I would look at Ripken's career to give you an answer. So let's say starting in 1983. When he was the MVP, mm-hmm. uh, that's when essentially the streak started. He played 160 games in 82. So if you just go by OPS plus, 100 and better is better than league average, right? So he was 144, 146, 124, 123, 105, 128, 105. So he was a, a well above average big league offensive player uh, for a good 10-year period. Now, 1992, he's 31 years old. He played in 162 games. OPS plus of 93. Hit 251 with no power and didn't get on base a whole lot. I would argue that during that period when he got into his early 30s, 
his numbers, his rate stats went down because he probably played too much. And the general thing I hear from managers is that you make a ball player more productive by making sure he does not play the game mentally fatigued. So you're right about the athleticism and the physical nature of athletes today. But I think when it comes down to peak performance in a sport that's about longevity and about the daily grind, it's way more about the mental aspect of it. And that's why Joe Madden would look at an off day on a Monday and he would give Rizzo a Sunday or a Tuesday off. So he would have two full days to recover. Uh, and those are the everyday players. He wanted to make sure that they were working around built-in off days. I just, I, I don't see it happening. And, you know, I'd be shocked the next time we have a 162 game season that any Cub plays in every game. Well, you know, when we do see those guys get out there and it, it's like you said, it's, it's so rare. It's almost like a unicorn. If, if a guy does play 162 games, we, we, we don't ever see that. And, and it, it, it could provide, and it, it's shown us that it, it does provide players, you know, with maybe a, a boost, a refresher. That's that's what it brings to the table. It, but when it comes to the game being so mental, it also sometimes helps, as you know, to have a few of those you know, solid physical traits. Is there any one guy that you remember walking down by the cage before a game and, and just seeing him and look at me like, you know, I've never seen anything like this, at least physically. It doesn't have to be the best player. It doesn't have to be the most gifted. It doesn't have to be the fastest guy or it doesn't have to hit the ball the furthest, but just the guy who was physically the most impressive to you. Well, I'll, I'll give you two answers and, and tweak them slightly. Uh, just in terms of the physical uh, aspect, Giancarlo Stanton to me was the guy. The first time I, I saw him around the batting cage uh, with the Marlins, I was like, yeah. He made Anthony Rizzo look small, and you know Anthony is not a small man, but yeah. broad shoulders. I mean, he just he he looks like he could play linebacker in the NFL. Uh, so that's number one. Um, but in terms of the durability question, uh, Derek Lee is the guy I would note because he wanted to play uh, every day, and I think he had a few seasons during which he played 162. But I thought he was really good about knowing how to take care of his body for the long haul. Uh, and 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 making sure that if he didn't need to take batting practice, that he didn't. Um, he played in 162 in 2002. He played 155 plus probably seven or eight times in his career. And he told me, he said, an off day to me is I don't even go to the ballpark. He said, if I go to the park and I, I, I'm there three hours before the game, I take batting practice, uh, I go through the pregame meetings, all that stuff, he goes – if I'm already there and I've done all of that, if I don't play, it doesn't feel like I've had an off day. So he he said when he had an off day, I mean, I don't even know if he put his spikes on. He would basically come to the park and probably do nothing. Uh, and that's the way I think a guy like that needs to treat an off day to understand his limitations. Now, he may have come off the bench completely cold and pinch hit and might have had success at it. He may have been told, I don't care what... The game situation is you're not going to be used no matter what. Um, but I do think guys need to understand that an off day means, you know, don't do the normal things you do every day. Don't be ready to come into the game in the fifth inning. When you're off, you're off unless there's an emergency and I need you to hit a three-run homer in the 11th. Now, Len, we know you never take days off because you're always on. And, you know, and growing up as a kid in, in Michigan, did, did you ever think that, You'd be sitting around and, okay, year 16 broadcasting games for the Chicago Cubs at 1060 
Addison, West Addison. You know, it's 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 unbelievable just the fact that you know I, you and I spoke about it. You know, just a few days ago when we were getting ready to do a show. I mean, what, if I'm not mistaken, what Harry Carey was 17 years on the call, and now this will be year 16 for you. Do you ever sit, take a step back, and think that there's a whole generation of 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 Cubs fans that you're their Harry Carey? That's what they know. That's all they know. If if a kid started watching baseball games when he was 10 years old and he was a Cubs fan. He's now 26, and all he knows is Len Casper on the call. Well, with all due respect to myself, I'm no Harry Carey. Uh, Harry was here 16 years, and uh, yeah, it is my my 16th. But, you know, if you think about Harry's impact, he had an impact of a lifetime. Uh, For a lot of Cub fans, he was the voice of the Cubs uh, forever. Uh, and, And little did they know that he was the voice of the Cardinals uh, he was the voice of the White Sox before he he came to the North Side, but it's a it's a tribute to those incredibly rich sixteen years that he is remembered uh, as the voice of the Cubs. Uh, I don't take that responsibility uh, lightly. Uh, it means a lot to me to hear people say it. it it's a little overwhelming to hear it. Uh, to me, it's all about the work and and doing the best job I possibly can. I never did it. Uh, for the fame or the big stage. But yeah, it's been a heck of a lot of fun. Cubs baseball, as you know, matters deeply to so many people, not only in Chicago, but around the world. And the fact that in some small way, my voice can be attached to that. Uh, I, I I feel very proud of that. How many times do you tell yourself when you're walking into the friendly confines that, okay, this is what I do every day. This is a, a routine type of thing, but this is my job. This is what I do. I'm lucky enough to get to say that I get to call these games and, and, and look at what you get to look out on. I mean, Wrigley Field, is there is there any place better in, in all Major League Baseball than Wrigley Field? I mean, let's just be honest. No, it's number one. And I I, I feel very thankful every day I get to, to go to the park. And I think we'll all feel even more thankful to walk into any baseball park after this is all over. You know, this new normal Uh, is pretty recent, but it feels like it's been like this for a very long time. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when you and I were calling a couple of games in Las Vegas, um, but it was such an abrupt end that, uh, you know, you get used to things pretty quickly. And uh, I want to get used to being at the ballpark again (laughs) really soon. Yeah. You and I, we called those games in Las Vegas on the Saturday and Sunday. And then on Thursday, Essentially, everything just just shut down, came to a, a screeching halt, and you know it, it it really threw everybody for a loop. But you know we've been been doing our best here. We've been doing all, all these shows on the, the online Cubs three hundred and sixty, and you know like I said, the, with you and, and Chris Myers and, and the trivia shows and everything that we've been able to compile, it's it is the new normal. It's not normal as we've known things in the past. But isn't it amazing how people come together and are able to cobble things and and still put a, a solid product on the air. And it, it seems like every single day, whenever we get these notes and these, and all the different news that comes in, it's, it's refreshing. It's maybe the same topic, but the conversations are different every single day, Len. Yeah. I think the marquee uh, uh, Cubs 360 shows go really, really quickly. And I feel like we could have longer conversations about all the topics, but uh, Malik puts together a great show every day. And uh, I, I, I really look forward to that because, you know, there is a big void right now in our lives in terms of baseball and sports news in general. And 
um, you know, we get into some really fun in-depth conversations about sometimes uh, trivial things, but they're not trivial because when it's about baseball, man, that's uh, the most important thing in the world to a lot of people, including me. <laughs> I could sit yeah. here and talk about this all Cubs team uh, for days and days and days and uh, have discussions and heated arguments. It's a, it's a total blast. No, Lynn, I know we talked about, you know, you being on the call for the 16th season this season, once games finally do get underway. But you know, what was your path like? I know, you know, my, my path here to, to Marquee Sports Network, it was it was long. It was winding, it was meandering. But I, I want to know how you how did you get in the business? What was your first moment when you said, you know what, I think I want to call baseball games? And you know what, I just don't think I know that's what I want to do. I really thought and knew uh, what I wanted to do when I was probably 13. I grew up in mid-Michigan, small town called Shepherd, And uh, I grew up listening to Ernie Harwell and Paul Carey on Tigers Radio. And I just thought Ernie had the greatest voice in the world and the greatest job in the world. I was a pretty mediocre baseball player. I knew I wasn't going to, to have any future beyond high school. And uh, I was pretty focused and, and honed in on, on that goal of being a big league announcer at a very, very ripe age uh, and a uh, very young age, I should say. And then, you know, by the time I was 17, 18 years old, I was uh, working at a, a small radio station uh, in the area uh, before I ever went to college. And that was really helpful to me. And uh, that's the one bit of advice I would give every young broadcaster. And, and I know you would as well is do it. Practice, practice, practice. Everything you do, whether it's a simulated play-by-play, -play, uh, podcasting, interviews, uh, sports uh, anchoring, reporting, all of those things will make you better and better at it. And uh, over the course of time, I just was able to fortunately get an opportunity in Milwaukee to fill in on some Brewers broadcasts uh, on television in 1999 after having worked in radio for a while. Uh, parlayed that into my first full-time job with the Florida Marlins in 2002. Uh, and after three years there, was uh, fortunate to be in the mix uh, for the Cubs job in 2005. I really was the number three choice behind uh, Dave O'Brien, who was working at ESPN at the time. I had replaced Obi uh, as the Marlins TV voice in 2002. Uh, and Matt Vaskersian was the other candidate, the Padres voice. And I had filled in for Matt. Uh, in Milwaukee in 1999. So it all kind of came together in 05. But both of those guys were under contract and their current employers uh, did not let them out of those contracts. I was between contracts. I hadn't yet signed my new deal in Florida. And uh, I, got the, I got the win because I was available. And in the end, Dave is calling games for his hometown Red Sox. Yep. Matt is basically the voice of MLB Network. And I've been with the Cubs ever since. So it worked out well for everybody. Well, then all anyone ever hears from you is, is silky, smooth, dulcet tones. But w was there ever a moment in time, if we go back you know, t 20 years or so, when you were on the air and you had a, a brain fart, a hiccup, something where you were like, oh, my goodness, I hope nobody has the audio or the video of that anywhere on the face of the earth? Because I know I have those moments, but you know, I'm not, not as smooth as you, though. Oh, I've had many of those moments. But I do remember okay. doing a... Uh, a radio update, and it was when Eddie Murray was closing in on 3,000 hits. Okay. And I said, uh, future Hall of Famer Eddie Murray is three hits shy of 3,000. But the words hits and shy kind of got jumbled. 
<laughs> so you can imagine what I said. And it was was so it kind of like a a Steve Levy on Sports Center with the bulging disc? Yes, exactly. One right. of those references. That's exactly okay. right. So I got through it. Uh, it was a, an honest mistake, and uh, you know I've learned to not say <clears throat> hits and shy or short. Uh, I would say, you know, needs three hits. That's probably a better way to say it, just in case. Yeah. I mean, that's a real thing, though. I mean, for those who are just coming up in the business, for those who don't know, there are are words and and pairings of words that I know at least I try to stay away from. Aside from that, are there anything or is there anything that you know that, that could stumble you up during a live broadcast? I know for me, the one thing I always try to stay away, I always try to say, you know, if you look at the stats or, you know, numbers wise, because if I'm sitting there and, and I'm in a, in a flow and if I try to get the word statistics out, <laughs> I, I, it has to be slow and, and fundamental. I have to make sure I get it out and it has to be very pronounced because if I try to just roll with it, I'm going to stumble every time. Yeah, I, I think I think the general point of that is to stay away from big words. OK, <laughs> yeah, right. The shorter words are easier to pronounce, and those are the words most people use. That is one thing I did learn early on, is that when you try to sound really smart and use words that you normally don't use in everyday life, mm-hmm. it doesn't come off naturally, right? And it sounds yep. like you're you know, trying to sound smarter than you are and things. And when I use big words, generally, I do it as a way of kind of a wink and a nod, like, this is not what I would normally say. So every once in a while, I'll drop in penultimate or Fortnite even though I would never say fortnight, I would say in two weeks, right? Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's two weeks. Long. Yeah. 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 Have you ever bumped into anybody who used, you know, you know old old speech like that? Speaks in, in fortnights and... <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably George Will would be the, the one person I know, uh, and, and, and we were able to, to be on the air with him recently, who probably could get away with using fortnight regularly. Okay. Have you have you been able to catch up on any any good TV shows during quarantine? I mean, you talk about George Will, and that makes me think immediately of Ken Burns baseball. I know I've caught in, at least three or four of the innings so far, and I, I think I, I bumped into Ken Burns National Parks on PBS the other day. But I mean, I, my, my cue when it comes to Netflix and 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 Hulu and 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 Marquee Sports Network, everything is full. Everything is full. Yeah, I've uh, I'm definitely I finished season three of Ozark. Uh, I did the whole Tiger King thing and felt really good okay. about moving on with my life and forgetting about it. Uh, I'm definitely going to watch and probably watch it more than once, The Last Dance. I'm going to make sure I get through every uh, episode and probably go back and watch it again. Uh, I think have, have you watched it yet? I did. Uh, it's great and uh, uh, really well done. Uh, quick story. Uh, I interned with the Milwaukee Bucks in the public relations department when I was a freshman at Marquette, so 1989. So this is the golden era, man, of the NBA. So I got to get quotes after games from Isaiah, uh, Magic, Jordan, Sidney Moncrief, uh, Larry Bird, you name it, Kareem, like all of them. All those guys I happened to be around when I was 18 years old. So uh, the NBA really from mid eighties up until around the time of the last uh, bulls championship is really ingrained uh, for me. And yes, I was, I was into the bad boys when they were the bad boys, but I, I, I totally respect the bulls and I'm glad it kind of worked out the way that way it did. And the fact that they were able to eventually topple the, the bad boys pistons. And uh, yeah, I think it's a terrific series. 
It's, it's not your fault. That's it was. It's a it's a geographical. Uh, I grew up in it. So I mean, what can I tell you? Abso- absolutely. Now, let before we get you out of here, man. Like I know there's going to be a, a lot of people that are are in the field, getting into the field that that want to be someone who's on the call for a major league franchise for 16 seasons, just like yourself. Is there any one piece of advice that you would hand out, or anything that you you've lived by for your 16 years in the booth for the Cubs? Prepare, practice, make connections. Uh, you need to have connections with people in this business. You can be the greatest broadcaster who ever lived, uh, but you have to make sure you forge relationships with people who make decisions, but nothing replaces practice and experience. That sounds good. And I'm thankful every day that I've made a connection with you, Len Casper. It'll be your 16th season on the call for the Cubs whenever this season finally gets underway. And I hope it gets underway sooner than later. Thanks for being the first guest right here on this Cubs weekly podcast, man. Enjoy the time. Enjoyed it very much, Cole. Thanks for having me on. Let Marquee Sports Network deliver fresh baseball news and analysis with Cubs 360 Daily. We're pulling together the most knowledgeable voices coming to you daily from their home to yours. Cubs 360 Daily, each weeknight at 730, proudly presented by Miller Lite. Hey, back here on Cubs Weekly and Len Casper. Man, a class for all seasons. And speaking of a classy guy, Joined now by MarqueeSportsNetwork.com, Cubs writer Tony Andraki. And Tony, uh, Len, he was growing a beard during quarantine, letting things bush out a little bit. But uh, he's recently trimmed that back. He said he's going to grow a new installment. How about you, man? Are you uh, going dabbling any any facial hair during the quarantine life or what? <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, I actually have a, had a beard and have a beard for the first time in my life. I mean, the blonde hair nice. showed up that well. And it would always come in kind of scraggly and patchy. And since I didn't have to, you know, get up and go to work every day and was just around here, I let it grow in for about a month there without even trimming it. And it looked like an actual beard. I was I even surprised myself. Okay. So I think it's safe to say whenever you hit the streets of Chicago to do whatever you have to do during this quarantine, people are like, Hey, look, everyone, it's Spencer Pratt. <laughs> Blonde beard. Remember that guy back in the day? I don't know. Maybe that that's yeah. a little bit of a stretch, but uh either way. When you know when it comes to stretches, you know, some people told me that maybe I took a somewhat stretch at putting certain guys in my ultimate Cubs lineup. You know, Len and I, we discussed that. You know, I went with Derek Lee at first base. You know, Len, he went old school at at most positions, but you had the chance to sit there and look at at both of our lineups when it comes to the ultimate Cubs lineup. Tony, who's are you leaning more towards? Oh, that's a good question. See, the thing is about Len's, and I know he explained it too, but he had a lot of guys, historical guys, guys that played in, you know, 20s, 30s, 50s, and we just don't know how their lineup would or their skill set would translate to today's game. So a guy like Hardner, who I had as my catcher too in my Ultimate Cubs lineup, I, we just don't know if he would be better than Wilson Contreras. If Contreras and the skill set that we know of, the power, the the hand eye coordination, and so on, if he played in like the twenties and thirties and stuff, like when Hartnett played, he might have been you know Johnny Bench type numbers or Pudge Rodriguez type numbers during MVP seasons. We just don't how that would translate and you had so many current guys like Derek Lee for example if you choose 2005 version of Derek Lee or you think of that in in your mind I mean that's the best first base season in Cubs history probably I I don't think there's anything you know in the 1920s or in the 2000s that that rivals that so between that and then Aramis Ramirez who's just so consistent I mean 100 RBI seasons without even striking out 100 times um, it's tough I think you know, historically, Lens is probably over years a little bit, but I mean, we were talking about just one game. Anything can happen in one game. 
Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you know, you're looking at Derek Lee and that season that he did have that is the best statistical season for any Cubs first baseman. And that's really what I was trying to do. I was trying to nail down one guy from one season. If you could have any player that played for the Cubs and take their best season and insert them into your ultimate Cubs lineup, that's the the thought process that I wrapped myself around as I made my lineup out. And I think that my lineup would pretty much beat anyone's in a seven-game series or even if it's just one game. But that's here nor there. We'll talk about that on Cubs Weekly as the weeks progress. But, uh, Tony, what do you think? What else are we going to discuss on this podcast that we're getting ready to launch, man? Well, hopefully we're going to discuss some actual baseball coming up very soon. And uh, yeah. it's going to be a shortened season no matter what. So I'm really curious to to break down and, and dive deep with you or Len or whoever else about, like, are the Cubs primed for – an advantage in a shortened season or not. I mean, they have a lot of veterans. They have a lot of guys who have won before and they know what it takes to go through a sprint. Like you talk about a seven game series or so, honestly, whenever baseball does come back, hopefully it does still this year, it's going to be a lot of short bursts like that. And the Cubs have been there and done that. So I think that kind of experience and that veteran leadership and so on that they have, especially with Ross at the helm too, I think that will really play to their advantage whenever the season does begin. Yeah, good point, Tony. Whenever the season does begin, and when it does, we'll be here to discuss it with you every step of the way. We'll have interviews with yourself, Tony, with with Len, JD, Taylor McGregor, Bruce Levine. There'll be a cast of characters that trickle through this Cubs Weekly Podcast. Presented by Wintrust, proud partner of the Chicago Cubs. So remember to subscribe wherever you get all your podcasts at. Cubs Weekly Podcast, you won't want to miss it.